Good evening, my darlings, and welcome to Marley's Ghosts. Tonight's story is By Word of Mouth by Rudyard Kipling. Not though you die tonight, O oh, sweet and wail, a specter at my door. Shall mortal fear make love immortal fail? I shall but love you more. Who from death's house returning, give me still one moment's comfort in my matchless ill. A poem from Shadow Houses. This tale may be explained by those who know how souls are made and where the bounds of the possible are put down. I have lived long enough in this country to know that it is best to know nothing and can only write the story as it happened. Demois was our civil surgeon at Merdiki, and we called him Dormouse because he was a round little sleepy man. He was a good doctor and never quarreled with anyone, not even with our deputy commissioner who had the manners of a barge and the tact of a horse. He married a girl as round and as sleepy looking as himself. She was Miss Hilary Dice daughter of a squash, Hilary Dice, of the bearers, who married his chief's daughter by mistake. But that is another story. A honeymoon in India is seldom more than a week long, but there is nothing to hinder a couple from extending it over two or three years. They can live absolutely alone and without interruption, just as the dormice did. These two little people retired from the world after their marriage and were very happy. They were forced, of course, to give occasional dinners, but they made no friends hereby, and the station went on its way and forgot them, only saying occasionally that Dormouse was the best of good fellows, though dull. A civil surgeon who never quarrels is a rarity appreciated as such. Few people can afford to play Robinson Crusoe anywhere, least of all in India where we are few in the land and very much dependent on each other's kind offices. Demois was wrong in shutting himself from the world for a year, and he discovered his mistake when an epidemic of typhoid broke out in the station in the heart of the cold weather, and his wife went down. He was a shy little man, and five days were wasted before he realized that Mrs. Demois was burning with something worse than simple fever and three days more passed before he ventured to call on Mrs. Shute, the engineer's wife, and timidly speak about his trouble. Nearly every household in India knows that doctors are very helpless in typhoid. The battle must be fought out between death and the nurses, minute by minute and degree by degree. Mrs. Shute almost boxed Demois' ears for what she called his criminal delay and went off at once to look after the poor girl. We had seven cases of typhoid in the station that winter, and as the average of death is about one in every five cases, we felt certain that we should have to lose somebody. But all did their best. The women sat up nursing the women, and the men turned to and tended the bachelors who were down, and we wrestled with those typhoid cases for 56 days and brought them through the valley of the shadow in triumph. But just when we thought all was over, and we're going to give a dance to celebrate the victory, 
Little Mrs. Dumois got a relapse and died in a week. Miss Station went to the funeral. Dumas broke down utterly at the brink of the grave and had to be taken away. After the death, Dumois crept into his house and refused to be comforted. He did his duties perfectly, but we all felt that he should go on leave, and the other men of his own service told him so. Dumois was very thankful for the suggestion. He was thankful for anything in those days. And he went to Shinny on a walking tour. Chini, in some twenty marches from Simla, in the heart of the hills. And the scenery is good if you are in trouble. You pass through big, still dodor forests and under big, still cliffs, over big, still grass down, swelling like a woman's breasts, and wind across the grass, and the rain among the trees says, Hush. So little Dumois was packed off to Shinny to wear down his grief with a full plate camera and a rifle. He took also a useless bearer because the man had been his wife's favorite servant. He was idle and a thief, but Dumois trusted everything to him. On his way back from Chinny, Dumois turned aside to Baji through the forest reserve, which is on the spur of Mount Hutton. Some men who have traveled more than a little say that the march from Kotegar to Bagi is one of the finest in creation. It runs through dark, wet forest and ends suddenly in bleak, nipped hillside and black rocks. Bagi, Dak Bungalow, is open to all the winds and is bitterly cold. Few people go to Bagi. Perhaps that was the reason why Dewan went there. He halted at seven in the evening and his bearer went down the hillside to the village to engage coolies for the next day's march. The sun had set. The night winds were beginning to croon among the rocks. Demois leaned on the railing of the veranda, waiting for his bearer to return. The man came back almost immediately after he had disappeared, and at such a rate that Demois fancied he must have crossed a bear. He was running as hard as he could up the face of the hill. But there was no bear to account for his terror. He raced to the veranda and fell down, the blood spurting from his nose and his face iron gray. Then he gurgled, I have seen the Mim Sahib. I have seen the Mim Sahib. Where? said Dumois. Down there, walking in the road to the village. She was in the blue dress. She lifted the veil of her bonnet and said, Ram Das, give my salams to the Sahib and tell him, that I shall meet him next month. Uh, Nadia. Then I ran away because I was afraid. What Damois said or did, I do not know. Ramdas declares that he said nothing but walked up and down the veranda all the cold night, waiting for the Mim Sahib to come up the hill and stretching out his arms into the dark like madman. But no Mim Sahib came. And next day, he went on to Simla, crossing questioning the bear every hour. Ram Dass could only say that he had met Mrs. Demois and that she had lifted up her veil and given him the message which he had faithfully repeated to Demois. To this statement, Ram Dass adhered. He did not know where Nadia was, had no friends at Nadia, and could most certainly never go to Nadia, even though his pay were doubled. 
Nadia is in Bengal and has nothing whatever to do with a doctor serving in the Punjab. It must be more than 1,200 miles from Meridik. Demois went through Simla without halting and returned to Meridik, there to take over charge for the man who had been officiating for him during his tour. There were some dispensary accounts to be explained and some recent orders of the Surgeon General to be noted, and altogether the taking over was a full day's work. In the evening, Demois told his locum tenens, who was an old friend of his bachelor days, what had happened at Bagi. And the man said that Ramdas might as well have chosen Tutikorin while he was about it. At that moment, a telegraph came in with a telegraph from Simla, ordering Demois not to take over charge of Meridik, but to go at once to Nadia on special duty. There was a nasty outbreak of cholera at Nadia, and the Bengal government, being shorthanded as usual, had borrowed a surgeon from the Punjab. Demois threw the telegram across the table and said, Well? The other doctor said nothing. It was all he could say. Then he remembered that Demois had passed through Semla on his way from Bagi and thus might possibly have heard first news of the impending transfer. He tried to put the question and he implied suspicion into words, but Demois stopped him. If I had desired that, I should never have come back from Chinny. I was shooting there. I wish to live, for I have things to do. But I shall not be sorry. The other man bowed his head and helped in the twilight to pack up Demois' just-opened trunks. Ramdas entered with the lamps. Where is the sahib going? he asked. To Nadia, said Demois softly. Ramdas clawed Demois' knees and boots and begged him not to go. Ramdas wept and howled till he was turned out of the room. Then he wrapped up all his belongings and came back to ask for a character. He was not going to Nadia to see Sahib die and perhaps to die himself. So Demois gave the man his wages and went down to Nadia alone, the other doctor, bidding him goodbye as one under a death sentence. Eleven days later, he had joined his Mem Sahib, and the Bengal government had to borrow a fresh doctor to cope with the epidemic at Nadia. The first importation lay dead in Kuadananga Dak Bungalow. The Thank you for listening to Marley's Ghosts with me, your ghostess, Deborah Marley. You can reach me on social media, on Instagram and Twitter at Marley's Ghosts, or email at Marley's Ghosts Podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach me on our website at Marley's Ghosts Podcast.com. Until next time, my darlings, sleep well.